Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about some of the worst diet strategies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 85 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. We thought it would be a great idea today to tackle some of the worst diets or worst diet strategies, or I, I don't even know, Nicole, what we want to call this, but <laughs> just, yeah, we'll just roll with that. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a couple of things on the list here and, you know, we did not too long ago, we did some of the worst supplements of all time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've also done some of this stuff in which diets will you try in 2022? I think we, that was more, more so like popular diets, more most yeah. popular diets that people want to try or get their hands on. And to be quite honest, some of the quote unquote, like most popular diets, I don't even know if I really need to put that in quotes, but some of the most popular diets really aren't terrible strategies like the keto diet or intermittent fasting. It just really depends on the person and whether or not they can adhere to it. Intermittent fasting is a way to create a calorie deficit. And I think that episode, we were really talking more so about these things aren't really special. Uh, and we did include, I believe the carnivore diet, which we'll touch up on again today. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I want to tackle is something that Nicole, which actually surprisingly with the amount of time that you've been coaching, mm -hmm. I'm surprised that you haven't really encountered people who have done this. Yes. Thank you. I am old. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I, I've, here's the thing. I've been coaching, no, it's true. I've it's been true. coaching a long time and you've been coaching even longer than I have. Yeah. And especially with when I was out in Boston and we were working in the population that we worked in, mm -hmm. I encountered a lot of that. And I don't know how you didn't because we were in the same place with the same demographic of clients. Yeah. And that's kind of my area. I've been on that kind of strip for a long, for all my career. You've been, you've been on the strip standing I've on, been the, on corner, the strip. I've been on the hustling, fitness strip. Hustling hustling. Nutrition plans. <laughs> Let me tell you, darling, that's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> I have actually never heard of this first um, strategy or diet that we're going to talk about. I I don't know how, but I, I've never encountered it. I'm hoping I've never heard or encountered it with clients because it's so awful and so ridiculous to me that I would like to think that the people that I have worked with with are smart enough to know that if they even with everything all things aside that this really wasn't something they would you know dip their toe into i but, think you're i think you're giving people way too much credit no come on we have smart clients that uh, maybe you know our cli our clients at this point yeah after a period of time working with us but you know some of the people now, maybe i would even say that my clients are smart when they come to us they may be a little lost of how they need to work better habits into their life. But I, I have shout out to all my clients and all the people that I've worked with over the years. You guys are amazing. So I'm going to say it's because I have amazing people around me, clients and colleagues that this just would never 
come to our door, but, but let's get into it. Cause this is pretty incredible. I will. I, I'm pretty sure this is uh, banned by the FDA right now. It is. It is. So, and I will say, so this diet comes, it came mostly from doctors and weight loss clinics. Mm-hmm. And I've got just some feelings about, you know, some of these quote unquote weight loss clinics and some of the practices yeah. that they go through there yeah. that just aren't really scientifically sound, but it's coming with under the guidance of a, a physician, which is part of the issue here. So yeah. Yeah. let's jump into it. The HCG diet was first discovered by Dr. A.T.W. Simeons, who's a British doctor. This was created in 1954. And in a medical paper, he reported observing patients who successfully lost weight through a program of combined HCG injections and a very low calorie diet, which I'll get into the specifics of that in a moment. He concluded that the HCG diet had avoided many of the unfavorable side effects of a very low calorie diet, such as irritability, mood issues or mood swings, headaches, physical weakness, fatigue, and hunger combined with this uh, low calorie strategy. So it kind of mitigated some of the negative outcomes to eating. And we're talking severely low calories. So when we're talking calorie wise here, we're talking about 500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. which is the most alarming thing to me. Yeah. It's alarming to me when I see people eating a thousand calories a day, right? Mm-hmm. Double that, let alone 500. So the plan was you're going to inject yourself with HCG and you're going to eat 500 calories a day. Let's start with what HCG is. So HCG is human chorionic gonadotropin. And it's what that's what you're testing for when you're doing a pregnancy test, because in the first three months of pregnancy, the female body is producing HCG. And there's a purpose for this. HCG helps to maintain production of progesterone, which supports healthy growth of the uterus and the fetus. And it supports, I guess, kind of Nicole, like fat mobility. Um, for the cells of the uterus and for the fetus. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's where kind of the thought part of the thought or the theory comes from that. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this is going to mobilize some of the fat and you're going to lose weight quicker by combining this 500 calorie diet along with HCG. Yeah, just the thought that you would be eating 500 calories and he was thinking that you had to, you know, help to manage some of the side effects of being in such a deficit of basically eating nothing is basic is basically what they were trying to do. Right. Like if you're, you know, if you and I tried to eat 500 calories a day, I would be an awful person, <laughs> awful. And so the goal would be to use this strategy and the, this inject this stuff into, into me so that I wouldn't be so irritable and hungry and miserable that I could get through this low calorie and it's what, six weeks, four to six, three to six weeks total. Yeah. Something along those lines. And then there's like a, almost kind of like a reverse diet phase, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But the thought was that the HCG is going to boost your metabolism and it's going to mitigate some of these issues and you're not going to feel hungry. Now there, this is also Nicole used as a treatment for infertility as well. Mm-hmm. And can you, are you able to kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Well, basically it's, it just helps to, I mean, the nitty gritty of it is that when a female is trying to 
get pregnant and is not ovulating, you need to ovulate to get pregnant. The, this is going to help make sure that the female is ovulating. Listen, there have been various theories attempting to explain HCG's weight loss mechanisms. And uh, there's multiple studies throughout the years have concluded that weight loss achieved by the HCG diet is not due to HCG. Like the HCG actually doesn't help at all. No, it's because you're eating 500 calories and the a day. Weight, the weight loss is achieved by eating 500 calories a day. It has nothing to do with the HCG hormone. Now, there are further studies that have actually looked at reduction of hunger and showed no significant reduction in hunger. So this theory that's postulated doesn't really stand up or hold up in the research or in the literature. Mm -hmm. And this is a very dangerous strategy. I mean, when I look at this from a side effect standpoint, right, I'm looking at, all right, what's going on in your body when you're eating? Let's HCG aside. Let's take yeah, that just 500 equation. calories. What's going on inside of your body when you're eating 500 calories a day? you're going to have some changes in body composition, but you're going to have a lot of unfavorable changes in body composition. And what I mean by that is you are going to lose muscle mass. First of all, there's no mention on yeah, exercise, exercise at all. And I'm pretty sure the recommendation would be not to exercise because how could you exercise eating 500 calories a day? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you're obviously you would increase it on the expenditure end too, but you're going to lose a significant amount of muscle mass. And what's going to happen as a result of that and as a result of, so you have like kind of two things going on. And Nicole, you and I have talked about this. Increasing lean muscle mass or increasing lean body mass is very effective at increasing your basal metabolic rate, right? So if you have the per a person, let's say two people who are both 150 pounds, one of them has more fat, the other one has more muscle. The person with more muscle is going to have a higher basal metabolic rate. And they're going to burn more calories. They're going to basically burn more calories at rest, just sitting around doing nothing because they're holding more muscle. Eating 500 calories a day, you're going to lose muscle, which is going to reduce your metabolic rate. Mm -hmm. The other piece is you're also going to reduce your metabolic rate because you're eating 500 calories a day, right? This is where you and I have talked about reverse diet strategies and where they come in handy because when you're in calorie deficits for longer periods of time, it does seem to have your body has this metabolic adaptation where it's going to say, hey, I'm just going to adjust a little bit. I'm going to burn a little bit less. It's a normal mechanism. But think yeah. about how much that's going to be exacerbated by eating 500 calories a day and what you need to do for a refeed strategy when you're coming out of that. And then add not exercise. So you're not exercising, you're eating barely anything, and then you're injecting yourself with something that you have absolutely no idea what type of an effect that's going to have on your body, a healthy body, let alone a body that's not eating enough food to survive. I mean, it's what I call a triple threat of utter and complete bullshit. <laughs> a triple threat, a triple, triple threat of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the HCG diet has a loading phase, which is you start taking HCG, you eat plenty of high fat, high calorie foods, for two days, which I don't really understand any of the, any of the logic behind that. So for two days, you're eating a ton of calories and you start taking HCG. And then phase two, uh, there's a weight loss phase and you continue taking HCG and you eat only 500 calories. And this lasts anywhere from three to six weeks, depending on how much weight you have to lose. And then there's a maintenance phase where 
you stop taking HCG and you gradually increase your food intake. Uh, and then you avoid sugar and starch for three weeks. And then what? Yeah, I know. Right. Like, okay. You lost 20 pounds in three weeks. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just well, makes so that, me that was the, like, that, that was the whole premise is that you're going to rapidly so you're going to rapidly lose yes. weight. And, you know, in let's say 30 days, you're going to lose 20 to 30 pounds. But you don't even see my whole thing with that. That makes this so funny to me is that if you actually could eat 500 calories a day for 30 days, like say that you could actually get through that. Of course, you would lose all that weight. You haven't eaten anything <laughs> like then. What do you do from there? Even if it's short term, you know, like we talk about long term calorie deficits and all of the adaptation to that. But even in a short term way, like you gain it all back the minute you start eating regular food. And and from a flexible standpoint, like who ever just eliminates every literally everything you eat except for. And this diet, this has like a structure to to the diet. It's like a portion of protein what a vegetable, a, a piece of bread. And what was the other thing? A serving of fruit or something like it, it goes through what an actual meal should look like. The one meal you get a day. <laughs> yeah. You basically have a plate with uh, one gram of protein. No, not one gram. Is not one, one portion? One gram of protein, <laughs> a single pea, a carrot, <laughs> a slice of celery and a tenth of a teaspoon of peanut butter. Yeah, that's it. That's your meal right there. Yeah. But that one, <laughs> it's listen, it's oh, radical no. from a adherence standpoint and from a, like, what are you going to do long term? Where, where are you going to go from there? And this is what yeah. I always say when you are trying to implement a nutrition strategy. And I, I get where this appeals to people and they're like, hey, like this is rapid. This you know what this actually kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of biggest loser style strategy. Yeah. Where they're just, OK, we're going to. We're going to work you to the ground. We're going to feed you super low calories. You're going to lose a fuck ton of weight in a very short period of time. Yeah. And then you if you follow, there's there were studies on the contestants from Biggest Loser that followed them years later. And majority, I think it was like 90 percent of them gained back the weight and then some. Mm -hmm. So this is no different. This strategy is going to do the same thing. And the HCG literally has no purpose. Right. It makes no sense. Right. So you're just injecting yourself with a hormone for nothing. There's no science to show that it works. Yeah. It's kind of sad, actually. You know, stuff like this. When we, when I was reading through this that you sent it to me and I was like, why haven't I heard of this? I, I actually kind of got really bummed out because to think that someone would be in a mindset that they think this would be an option, that really does bum me out a lot of the times because well, that, I just. I, I agree with you. And that's we have some big issues with society when we're looking at a, a, like people will go through these radical extreme yeah. measures before even thinking, ah, you know what? I'm just going to get outside and walk a little bit more. Exactly. Or, you know what? I'm just going to go to the gym a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start eating more fruits. I'm going to get more vegetables in. I'm going to focus on my yeah. protein, right? Just these little changes over longer periods mm-hmm. of time. That end up, yeah, it takes you longer to get there, but you end up stay. You're more likely to stay there, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say you're going to end up staying there because some people do fall off and have to get back on track, right? That mm-hmm. is a thing. Adherence is definitely something that we have issues with, but we mitigate some of the issues 
by giving you a, a sustainable long-term plan. And this is why I'm not entirely opposed to things like intermittent fasting or keto for people that can comply with those things in the long run. Like if not eating breakfast works for you and you feel good on that and you can, you have good energy, your digestion feels great. You, you know, overall you're, you're healthier, your blood markers are better. And you know, you're losing body fat and changing your body composition. I don't care. I'm fine with that because that to me is not an extreme measure. Right. So right. it's, it's, you really have to find something that works for you in the long run. And you know, it's something that's going to be sustainable and this is not it. Then we have the blood type diet, also known as the blood group diet, was popularized by a naturopathic physician named Peter Diadama. And this was a New York Times bestseller. And Nicole, you've heard of this one. Yeah, of course. This one I definitely have heard of. And I've had tons of clients ask me or they've either followed it with the physician that they, you know, that set them up with it or they've come to me and asked me about it. I kind of just say eat better eat whole foods, exercise. Well, listen, here's the thing. You'll be just fine. Any no matter loss, what your blood type is. Any weight loss that's coming from this, and we'll talk about that in, the, in some of the research and some of the literature in a moment, but any weight loss that's coming from this is coming from eating better quality foods. Yeah. Now, what the thought is behind the eat right for your blood type is that we've all got, we've got different blood types, right? We've got type A, type B, type AB, and type O, and this kind of has... Uh, relevance in terms of, you know, if you're giving blood, donating blood, if you have dr blood transfusions, you want it to match up like, O is a universal donor. A, B is a universal recipient. A can only accept A, B can only accept B, right? So that's where blood typing has kind of the most relevance. There is some information on really, I guess, disease and blood type, but there isn't really information on diet or any valid information on diet and blood type. So Let's go over some of the thoughts and some of the uh, claims on the blood type diet in terms of who should eat what. So what this doctor claimed was that each blood type represents genetic traits of our ancestors, including which diet they evolved to thrive on. And this kind of like falls in line with like some of the paleo stuff like, oh, well, what mm -hmm. part of the world did you come from and what blood type do you have? And based on your ancestors with the same blood type yada, yada, yada. Right. Mm -hmm. So type A is called the agrarian or cultivator. People who are type A should eat a diet rich in plants and completely free of quote unquote toxic red meat. So you should avoid red meat if you have blood type A. This closely resembles something like a vegetarian diet. Blood type B called the nomad these, I feel like that's like kind of a catchy way of, uh, you know, reeling in the, the reader. <laughs> type B called the nomad. These people can eat plants and most meats except for chicken and pork and can also eat some dairy. However, they should avoid wheat, corn, lentils, tomatoes, and a few other foods. Type AB called the enigma. It's like, oh man, AB, I'm an enigma. <laughs> type AB called the enigma described as a mix between types A and B. Foods to eat include seafood, tofu, dairy, beans, and grains. They should avoid kidney beans, corn, beef, and chicken. And we're going to talk about the whole bean and lectin thing in a moment. Type O called the hunter. This is a high-protein diet based largely on meat, fish, poultry, certain fruits, and vegetables, but limited in grains, legumes, and dairy. It closely resembles the paleo diet. You know what's interesting about this is I have an uncle 
mm-hmm. in Israel. And I know you were going to just say something, but give me a moment Go here. Go ahead. Who referenced this rabbi and he's like, man, if you're into nutrition, you have to read these books. It's like these five books from this rabbi that he talks about based on where you are, where you come from in the world, why you can't eat certain foods or eat a certain type of way. And, you know, it seemed like an interesting concept. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally down to read it. But the only issue was the books were written in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And although I can speak Hebrew, I can't read it well. And I wouldn't be able to read these books. So I'm like, is there a translated ver? And there are there are no yeah. translated versions. Otherwise, I would have been totally open to reading it. And, and the thought well, process yeah, always interesting. I mean, listen, I don't want to completely shit on diets from your ancestors. Right. And and this is me just kind of talking in terms of like, all right, let's let's put research aside for a second. Mm-hmm. Is there a possibility that there's like some kind of link with your lineage and how you should eat or how you could eat. And listen, I think by me even saying this right now, the scientific nutrition community might be like, well, explode. This fucking, this fucking guy. <laughs> but I do think that, yeah, maybe there's something there that research hasn't uncovered. And Nicole, you and I have had conversations about this where I'm big, heavy into research this, research that, like the research shows mm-hmm. this, right? And then you are sometimes like, almost like the voice of reason where you're like, well, listen, their own research doesn't fucking know everything. And mm-hmm. there are some things that we haven't really figured out yet. So I'm, I'm definitely not blind to that. Yeah. And there might be something there, but you know, the, the whole blood typing thing from, from the research that is there, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me in terms of like, there have been trials the like like some of the research here like there was a a study here which was pretty big right a large observational study of 1455 young adults eating a type a diet lots of fruits and vegetables was associated with better health markers but this effect was seen in everyone following a type a diet not just individuals with mm-hmm. blood type a right so how do you okay, kind- so if it's a vegetarian based esque diet and you put people on it, whether they have type A or not, they're increasing their vegetables. Like there's some positives to that that have nothing to do with the blood type. Absolutely. Right. So right. then my then my question is this. How do you separate exactly between? OK, well, is it the blood type or, or is it just deficit or the or quality of food? better? Exactly. Just yeah. you're eating better. You're eating less processed food, less sugar. Mm-hmm. things of that sort. I mean, listen, I will say the type O thing, it does kind of intrigue me a little bit just because, you know, my uncle, I, I was like, Hey, like I'm, I'm type O, but he didn't say it from a, a type O standpoint. He said it from we're middle Eastern kind of like Mediterranean region. Like my father's family comes from Yemen. Mm-hmm. And if you're from Yemen, you don't do well with the standard American diet because it's typically higher in processed refined carbohydrates. And those aren't foods that you would naturally find in that area of the world. So that's why I was kind of intrigued by it. Yeah, but that's not based off of. So let me just say this. I wouldn't say that's a blood type thing. I mean, maybe uh, listen, this is just my my thoughts. I, don't, I wouldn't say that's a blood type thing. I would say that's an upbringing and what you've eaten as a family. Like I'm Sicilian. I grew up on a ton of pasta. Like it's part of my everything. This I say this all the time to clients when they're like, I cut out carbs and I cut out this. I'm like, 
I will never not have pasta. It's it's I can't live without it. And then it's not just because I like I love it. And I was fed it when I was a kid, when I was sick and I was fed it to, from my grandmother when I was having a bad day. Like there's emotional and family ties to that. There's a very different part, which I know we won't talk about today, but you know, my family ate a certain, my family ate a certain way, your family ate a certain way. So is it the blood type or is it what we grew up eating? Like there's part of what well, I grew up eating. I mean, I grew up on fish sticks and French fries. I grew up on McDonald's Happy Meals. I grew up on pasta and Italian food and I'm alive and kicking and everybody's. Okay. Well, the que- <laughs> like, well, here, but here's the question. Here's the question is like, had you have eaten like your ancestors that came from Italy? Right. Right. Would you thrive better is, well, I, is I guess, part of the question. there. True. But here's something I will also add to this. So I had a friend who grew up on it in Pennsylvania on a dairy farm and he grew up drinking raw cow's milk and had incredible bones and teeth and was strong as an ox. And when I met him and he came to my house to eat pasta dinner, Things didn't sit well with him. He didn't he didn't handle it well. And when yeah, I went to his house and he ate meat, potatoes and milk, I didn't drink milk out of a, a, I never drank milk. It's a different way of. Listen, I, upbringing I, I mean, too. I mean, I've got a thing with raw milk and I don't really think we should drink. Raw, I know, raw but milk, think but about it. Here's but here's the thing. I'm 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 even talking like way further, like beyond that. Like I yeah, understand he lives, that, but he lives in Pennsylvania. He grew up there. But <laughs> where is his lineage from? You got what I'm saying? Like, like if you were to take you're his, going like, deep, I'm like, going just like, one step like if, back. <laughs> forget that. Like if you were to do like a 23 in me and then yeah. create a diet, you know, I, I'd want to see some some information. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about it. And I'm not typically the one. Usually I'm like, man, I know you're the science, but I have to be I have <laughs> to be a little bit open minded because yeah. there are some things that I could be wrong about. So, you know, in that. Listen, I'd love to read this book for my uncle, I guess. But <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe somebody's got to interpret that shit for me. I guess my point is, if you don't forget the research aside, and I don't obviously believe in the blood type diet, let's be very clear. But I do think that there is something to be said for how you were brought up, what you ate as a child. Like we can just go back a, a one step back and then, you know, what your body can handle and can't handle in terms of what you ate, get when you were brought up, what your mother fed you, what your mother ate during pregnancy. I mean, we can go real deep. Those types of things. Yeah. Were you a C-section? Were you born vaginally? Like, you know, those I mean, things. There's that, a lot. That's those a whole other episode. <laughs> they affect your microbiome, right? There's some yeah. information on that too, which is actually pretty sound information. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, uh, a lot, some of this stuff is based around lectins, which also is kind of a crossover within the paleo diet as well. So one of the central theories on the blood type diet has to do with a protein called lectins. Lectins are a diverse family of proteins that uh, can bind to sugar molecules. Uh, These have been in the paleo community. They've been referred to as anti-nutrients. And I've even heard people, um, you know, talk about how anti-nutrients kind of steal nutrients from your body which, you know, there's no, there's no really evidence to really show any of that stuff. And there is some information that lectins may have an effect on the gut and the lining of the gut. And, you know, I remember when I was looking into paleo and, you know, the paleo community talks about lectins and lectins is cause leaky, leaky gut and they uh, increase autoimmunity. And then I kind of dove into the research a little bit further and I'm like, ah, well, they, we don't really know if, 
they cause do they cause leaky gut in everyone? It's kind of a small percentage of the population are affected by them. And then from the autoimmunity standpoint, it's well, they affect people that already have autoimmunity. And even yes. those people that have autoimmunity, they only affect one percent of those people. So how how valid or solid of a claim is it going to be? if I were just to take a blanket statement and say, well, nobody should eat lectins because our ancestors didn't eat lectins or certain blood types shouldn't eat lectins, right? Like I can't really tie those things together mm-hmm. from a practical standpoint and kind of feel right about it based on the information that I've looked at and read. The other thing is too, from a lectin standpoint is when we look at uh, certain beans in certain blood types that they're not, oh, hey, yeah. you shouldn't have navy beans. But the problem is with that is that once you cook them, they're, they're fine to eat, right? So mm-hmm. You can't even really like it's not practical. Like there's no real world relevance to that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Have you ever had a navy bean? I've never even eaten a navy bean. I don't even know what a navy bean is. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to go try it. (laughs) All in all, when I look at it from a research standpoint, uh, there was a 2013 review that looked at data from over a thousand studies and they didn't find a single well-designed study looking at the health effects of blood type and, and dieting and how they were correlated. So we don't really have much sound information on that. I think Nicole, the next thing I kind of want to get into, which kind of piggybacks a little bit on some of this stuff that we just talked about is the carnivore diet, which to me is kind of like extreme paleo. It's, it's extreme period. (laughs) And and I have, I have to say, Going back to the paleo thing, a lot of the misconception that I found with people with paleo is they really thought of people as hunter and not really gatherer. Right. And they and and they would think and the books didn't really say this. Right. The 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 books that I read on paleo weren't really kind of like eat a lot of meat. It just said like, hey, this is probably what our ancestors ate. You know, these types of plants, they didn't eat these types of plants because they were toxic and maybe nightshades or lectins or whatever. You know, and I have a thing with like, I mean, tomatoes back then were toxic and we've kind of bred out some of the toxic traits of tomatoes. So like, are they really still a nightshade? Like a tomato back then might've killed you yeah. versus a tomato now, right? With the whole paleo thing. There is kind of some crossover. And I think there was kind of a misinterpretation of paleo where they were, where our hunter gatherer ancestors were predominantly meat eaters. And I don't necessarily think that's the case because you have to basically hunt something that is potentially hunting you as well, which isn't easy to do. (laughs) Right. So you have to look at it and, and like from a practical standpoint, I think we were more plant-based, right. And from the research that I've seen being more in a plant, more towards the plant-based side, eating more plants and some meat seems to be the healthier approach, especially when we're looking at phytochemicals, antioxidants, we're looking at fiber and colon cancer, right? And when we're looking at fiber and heart disease risk, it just kind of makes sense that we are more like meant to eat more plants. And that's not to say that we're meant to be vegan. And I do think, speaking of vegan, that the carnivore diet is almost kind of like countering like the vegan community and it's like okay well you say we should eat only plants well you know what fuck you we need to eat only (laughs) so it's both polar you know we have both polar ends of the spectrum and both of them there's pros and cons but i think we need to really sit in the middle and for me i'm more on the side of like yeah we should have most mostly more plants Mm -hmm. more carbs than protein right I tend to uh, lean on onto the 
higher side in terms of protein, because that's the world that I came from the world of nutrition. I came from the fitness world where, Hey, we want to optimize and maximize muscle protein synthesis. And we do that by consuming higher amounts of protein than are generally recommended by the USDA or Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is a minimum, which is, you know, 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, which is very low to me. The carnivore diet is essentially eat meat, not plants. And there, there's, there are some claims on uh, autoimmunity. I know that what is Jordan Peterson's daughter was on the Joe Rogan podcast and talked about how she suffered from autoimmunity her entire life. And then she did a, a, carn a carnivore diet and she was cured. And I would argue that you just did a radical version of an, elim an elimination diet and you haven't actually found out what is affecting you. So there are a lot of claims on the carnivore diet and autoimmunity when essentially what you could do is just an elimination diet, get rid of the most common culprits, which will be uh, wheat, soy. Uh, what else is in there? Peanuts, dairy, eggs, eggs right? Those are typically the most common culprits. Uh, there may be some other dietary changes that you want to make. For some people, you might have to go through a FODMAP diet and eliminate some of those things to see if that's causing you um, some GI distress. Looking at it from just more of a practical standpoint and saying, okay, well, now I'm going to start to reintroduce some of the foods. And it's not to say that in, in some cases, uh, they, some of the proponents of the carnivore diet, they do recommend, Hey, like reintroduce some of these foods. But to me, it's just too radical of a elimination strategy. Like you don't need to go to that extreme. Yeah. I, I mean, I think everybody at this point, all of you listeners know that I'm clearly not extreme. I'm a Libra. I like to have balance. I like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I like to meet in the middle. I also don't like to live. I mean, I've done this. I've lived in the extreme and in terms of not eating certain foods, blah, blah, blah. And, I, you know, it's it's miserable. It's not fun. And now being able to have a little bit of freedom and being able to, you know, create a little bit of balance. I like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like all of the things that we're talking about today, one of the key pieces to this is rapid change, which Again, we, we've talked about on every radical, single episode, right? radical, radical rapid, whatever you want, rapid weight loss. You eat 500 calories a day. You do it for six weeks and basically just starve everything out of your body. And then different types of strategies, which ultimately either create, quote unquote, a healthier body or create radical change in your body, whether it be weight loss, muscle gain, whatever you're trying to accomplish. It's just it, the extreme of that is something that I just think, again, it bums me out. It makes me feel like people think that's what they have to do in order to get to a healthier place in life, both physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, and to look better, like to feel good in their clothes, to feel good with uh, their body image. If this is what you think you need to do, oh my goodness, come see me. We need to work well, on a lot of things. You're, you're like, listen, Nicole, you're talking like... Rapid weight loss. You want rapid weight loss? We talked about it last week. Refer yeah. to that episode on mini cuts, yeah. right? Three to four weeks in a 40% deficit mm -hmm. with increasing your expenditure and your activity. 40% deficit. What's that going to look like for some people? 13, 1400 calories. It's not going to be that. Extreme, yeah. And, depending and on again, what your maintenance is. Depending, I was going to say, depending on where you're coming from. Right. And this, this is my whole point. Like, you know, I've had, I've had many clients come to me, many that are just so upset. I, I can, can't lose weight. It's never going to happen for me. I don't think this is going to like, I, it, nothing works, which is a big one I hear all the time. And I'm, 
you know, those things, hearing that type of stuff really breaks my heart because it's not that it doesn't work. It's that we haven't found out what works best for you yet. And let's talk adherence and consistency in time and patience. Like everybody wants things so fast. It's just not necessary to go to those extremes. So if you're someone that thinks you need to go to those extremes, please, you need to, you need to find someone to help you navigate better. The last thing I wanted to get into today is I want to talk a little bit about the multi-level marketing companies and strategies and some of the things out there. Uh, and you know, it's interesting because a, a client slash friend of mine today asked me about this and texted me some Herbalife products. And she said, what do you think? And mm-hmm. I looked at it and I'm like, you got to understand these companies, right? They're not really, they're kind of in this area of, we want to just sell you products. And they're in the area of a lot of like meal replacements, a lot of supplements, right? Like, Hey, like just replace all your meals with these bars and these shakes, right? That's how their programs generally work. And Mm -hmm. they're effective by creating calorie deficits. But some of the things that are in these, some of these products I looked at the, I mean, we're talking like 20, 30 ingredients. I know. And, and I'm like, well, oh, some of them were vitamins, but then also I'm looking at it and I'm like, ah, cyanocobalamin, it could have been methylcobalamin would have been better. Uh, there's, you know, like, uh, like fructose and corn syrup and the first ingredients are soy protein, like just all cheap stuff. Yeah. Right. And I guess I kind of wanted to talk about it from a strategy of, I'm going to tell a story about isogen a time <laughs> about about isogenics and so we i've got like you've got isogenics you've got advocare you've got herbalife you've got um amway which was is, i think is under a different name now but i used to call it scamway and these are companies where like they'll find i remember when i was young and i was working in a vitamin store and this woman walked in and she's like hey i got this box of free stuff for you i want to tr- i want you to try and like i want to get you set up with my company like let's meet and they always have these meetings oh at, yeah this sales crazy. They, they have these meetings at like, like Marriott conference room or mm-hmm. Hilton. And like, it's just like a bunch of young, impressionable kids who are like in their like late teens, early twenties who are like, you know, Hey, you can reach Ruby level or diamond level <laughs> and like all this crazy stuff. And essentially it's multi-level marketing or kind of a quote unquote, like pyramid scheme, Sales. because yeah. the way you look at it is like, Hey, like that, that woman that came to me, was building her team. She's building her team and she's making money off of everybody. And somebody else signed her up and then right. they're make, they're making money off of her and a bunch of other people. And then it just yeah. goes up the chain. And the only person on like that, whatever level it is, diamond level, gold level, whatever, at the top, they end up making the most money. And then really who makes the most money is, you know, Isogenics or Advocare or whatever. And it's brilliant marketing. Um, and it's brilliant for the company, but they're using the cheapest products and the cheapest ingredients and they're just not great. And, you know, she sent me something. It was like this energy drink. And I'm like, well, I'm like, it's just Garana, which is a source of caffeine and it's caffeine. So right? you're so, paying like 30 bucks for caffeine. Well, it's it's whatever. And, <laughs> you know, and the other story that I wanted to tell was about isogenics. I remember I walked into a ear, nose and throat doctor, an ENT doctor. I walked into the office because I was like, I I think I have, you know, I want him to look at my tonsils. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think I get like chronic tonsillitis. I might have to get my tonsils removed. And the way he treated me, I mean, I don't even know how I want to kind of deliver the story. Right. So I walk in the office and they're like, there's a bunch of isogenics products sitting 
at the like the front desk in like a glass in like a glass window, Mm -hmm. right? Like underneath, like in a showcase. And then I walk in and inside of the office, it says, ask the doctor how he lost 80 pounds using isogenics. This is an ENT. This is an ENT who is selling these products. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, and I'm pissed off because here I am an undergrad studying nutrition. And I'm like, this fucking doctor over here, like, like, this is my (laughs) field. Right. And I'm like, this is the field I'm going into. But my real thought was like, what is this guy doing selling these products? And the way that he practiced was kind of the same, like gave me that same vibe. So he didn't even look at my tonsils and he goes, "Okay, we'll just pull them out. And I was like, you're already set off when you walk in and see something like that. You're you're already perceiving him in in a bad light. Like it's it's all. But I'm also also like, you didn't even do anything. You're just like, cool, we'll pull them out. So I ended up getting a second opinion and I had a, uh, another physician who, you know, put a scope in there, looked at my tonsils, took pictures. And he's like, listen, I don't see any reason. Like there are no signs of chronic tonsillitis. You don't yeah. need to take your tonsils out. You're perfectly fine. And the other place I just felt was like was like a factory. Right. Yeah. And I guess the point that I'm trying to make is anybody that's selling these products, it, they don't really understand nutrition. They don't understand the human body. They don't understand supplements. They don't understand the industry. They don't know what quality ingredients are. Mm-hmm. And this is where I say, like, just proceed with caution. Yeah. Because I've looked at some of the ingredients in some of these products and I'm like, ah, like you can get something way cheaper for, you know, with, with four or five ingredients in it where you just have like, protein, some kind of a sweetener, some flavoring agent, and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Desperation. They These types of companies feed off of the person that wants the fast weight loss, the easy strategy. I just have a shake in the morning, a shake in the afternoon, and my bar for a snack. Like you can, I can hear the commercials. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and just, you know, following this simple, quote unquote, simple way of life, you know, you can you can have a shake in the morning and you can have a bar and a handful of nuts and or a a, a rice cake and peanut butter and it still be simple, but it'd be healthier options that you actually eat real food. And I think the biggest part of those types of things are that you're not learning how to eat. You're just kind of, you know, blindly following and you're doing meal replacements. Yeah. Another one that was like that. Another one was like that. It was uh, Slim Fest was a big one. Yeah, yeah. All those types of things. We, that's I think that's where I got the shake in the morning. Like I can hear the commercials. I have my shake in the morning, my shake in the afternoon and a real dinner at night. And the woman's like bopping around the kitchen all excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you've got all kinds of there's like Octavia now. Like, there's- yeah, there's so many of them. And I don't know about you, but I get probably maybe three to five DMs every day. People asking me if I have like nutrition coach, if you have that in your um, Insta, like, what do you call it? Profile. Oh my gosh. The, the, the messages I get are crazy. Let me show you how. And I'm like, Please. you know, I've never got, I've never gotten that. No, oh I my get, God. you know, Maybe for some reason, female. for some reason, I don't know. I think there's some kind of a link because I follow Gary V. Uh, I just get hit up with like, Hey, like NFTs are hot Buy these NFTs. Oh, like, you're the, yeah. And they're like, these, like, these, like, you know, digital images of like, you know, blockchain fucking rabbits and turtles and, you know, all types of <laughs> do you characters. Look, do you look through those things? Though? No, like, I, now I'm just never. delete them right away. I'm like, oh, yeah. get out of my inbox. I think I get those things. One, because I'm a female and I have female clients. So I think I'm kind of a sitting duck that way. 
And two, because I do have clients that ask me about stuff like that. Someone sent me one the other day, a client. Can you look at this Instagram and tell me what you think? And everything is a boxed product. I was like, let me ask you something. How much is the buy-in? How, how much do you have to buy in to this program to get started? And she was like, it's like $750. And I almost fell off the chair because you can coach with me for far less than, than that, buy real food for a lot less than that too. And I thought, wow, that's you're willing to cough up $750 just to get started. That doesn't count all the meetings and the, you know, none of that. It's just to buy in. It's her package of supplements and bars. And I was like, that blows my mind that again, with people, women, probably more are willing to shell out money for, a, for what they have no idea is really going to do anything healthily for them. You know what I'll say was really good, except the products that were tied to them were crap. There was that uh, beach body thing where mm -hmm. they sold the um, I forget what the what was the protein called that was with that? They have a lot of products, but there was a product that was man. And there were so many ingredients in the protein, and it was expensive. It was like one hundred and twenty dollars for yeah. like a two two pound bag of protein, which mm -hmm. was just insane. And they put you on a subscription. But yeah. what they did do that I liked was they had the little colored uh, containers. Yes, for portions. For portions. And mm -hmm. I guess based on whatever criteria you put yeah, in you for like my height, my weight, whatever, yeah. it was a way of portion control, which I think is a useful tool for, you know, for teaching people portion sizes. Well, at least they're eating too. They're, yeah, they're so eating that, food. that was good. But I also did, I'm like, it's unnecessary for you to pay $120 for a two pound bag of protein when you could get that same bag for like 15 bucks. Yeah. That's pretty much what we have for you today. Okay. <laughs> uh, basically, just listen, there are the ACG diet, I think, takes the cake in terms of probably the worst strategy ever. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen anything worse than that. Um, listen, the carnivore thing, listen, some pros and cons. I mean, listen, it's getting you to eat more protein, but I just don't think that eating all protein and not having any plants Balance. Is, is, is really a good idea. Uh, and then when it comes to the blood type stuff, I'm curious in terms of some like ancestral stuff, not from the standpoint of maybe, hey, like our ancestors ate this. So that means that we should eat like this, because I will say that our ancestors probably ate anything that they can get their hands on because they didn't have food in abundance like we have today. And, and that's one of the big differences between what our ancestors did and what we do today. Like they were more active. They had to go out and seek their food. And we just sit on the couch and go to a supermarket and buy processed refined foods. Right. So if you just cut out the refined foods and exercise more like that's what our ancestors did. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, Nicole, you got anything else for us? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. I think those were all really good ones. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.